What's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new edition of the Battle Red Radio. This is Corey DLG, and with me as usual is little brother Nico. We are hanging out on this Monday morning, recovering from... I, I think maybe our most brutal loss of the season? Um, Jacksonville Jaguars came to Houston, and they did, in fact, beat us 31-3. to that's that's probably I, I think that's the worst. It's the worst numbers one for sure. Yeah, it's definitely the worst number ones for sure. Um, so the Texans didn't cover, and the under hit. So one one. Let's go, baby. Yeah, I think we I think we both split that. So there you go. Um, yeah, not a great game. Not a very good game at all. Not a clean game. There was a lot of screw-ups. There was a scoop and score early on. I think Jacksonville had 21 unanswered points, if, uh, if my memory serves me correctly. It wasn't it wasn't the effort we wanted to see, especially considering this closed out home for this year. This is the eighth home game, and so I believe we're going to be in Indianapolis for the second matchup with them next week, and that that's the season. Uh, I'm, it was, uh, it's okay. We can just forget about this game. The NFL doesn't care. We don't care. It's fine. Yeah. It's a wash. It is. a. It is kind of a wash. Like it's the end of the year. I would have Davis Mills looked like a guy who kind of just gave up. Honestly. Um, when your job is literally pretty much confirmed for being replaced, it's hard to be like, keeping it boys. Yeah, that that is true. But I guess you, I don't know. Like, you're 100% right, but also you just expect people to play differently, even though... You can right. you can I mean, pray. Because you you're not be wrong. like, I really hope Davis Mills doesn't shoot us in the foot here. And it's like, well, he literally doesn't care, and he's going to get replaced. <laughs> he's proved... And I don't know that he's... He's proved to us he's not the guy. Yeah. No, 100%. I don't know that he, I don't know that he doesn't care. It didn't look like we got his best effort uh, over the weekend. Uh, he might be a little disheartened. He might not be playing, you know, with the confidence that he had at one point. But, uh, I mean, that might be what it is. You know, but early on there was the, the scoop and score where it just comes, I don't know, I I never saw a replay that, that confirmed that the defensive end knocked it out of his hand or if he just squeezed the ball out of his hand. But either way, he he basically throws the ball away but without holding it so it's not a forward pass. And the Jaguars scoop it and just walk it in the 10 yards to the end zone. Um, that was pretty early on in the game. That was that was good and disheartening. That was, that's not what you want to see. It was a frustrating game. It was it was rough. There was a lot of poor tackling. Etienne had a 60-yard touchdown run. That looks like two different guys should have stopped, and neither one of them did. And, and I wasn't sure what, what the purpose of that was. That was weird. That was a weird thing. I, I even on the replays, it looks like there's guys who have obvious angles to to attempt to to tackle him, and they don't. So it's the end of the year. There probably are some people making some business decisions. Um, and also we're a banged up team. There's some guys out there who probably aren't really starters, probably don't deserve a lot of these minutes. But 
it kind of is what it is. And so they're probably out there. They're tired and physically beat up too. And they're just like, I, I don't know, man. One more. Let's get out of here. Again, this is this is um, the game forgotten by the NFL. This is this doesn't matter. Uh, Jacksonville <laughs> versus Tennessee is a game that matters. So Jacksonville does move into Seoul, first place of the AFC South. We're going to talk a lot more about the playoffs next uh, show on Wednesday. Jacksonville, though, being 8-8, eight and eight, they're the only team uh, not with a losing record in the AFC South, for sure. I didn't even look at the NFC South. There's a lot of just interesting things across the league that we'll also talk about this week as we go. Uh, one of which, the Washington Commanders played themselves out of the playoffs this weekend. It was kind of weird. They coming in were the the seventh seed. They were the wild card and they were in control of their own destiny. If they won I believe if they won the game, they made the playoffs with one week to go. Instead, they uh they started Carson Wentz again. Now, um Tyler Heineke had been playing for them and he wasn't playing perfect by any stretch, but he he was exciting. He's done well. We've seen him a couple times on TV and he and he has those it qualities that teams get excited about and that players want to play for whereas Carson Wentz clearly lacks those but Carson Wentz had been hurt Tyler Heineke had been playing Carson Wentz was healthy they've been struggling I think they were 2 and 2 in their last 4 so it wasn't like they were getting great quarterback play either way they put Carson Wentz in for this game and th- he had 3 interceptions no touchdowns. Excellent work, team. They lose, and now they're done. Their season's over. Great work, team. Really nailing it. Yeah, I so I saw one headline that was like uh, Ron Rivera pays for uh, pays uh, Ron Rivera's com- Washington Commanders pay for his gamble with their season, and I guess that's kind of a, a fair way to put that. As complicated as it sounds, like the team doesn't get to go to the playoffs because he made that change at quarterback. Like, And and, and maybe Tyler Heineke would have lost also, but nobody would have faulted him for, for leaving Tyler Heineke in because Tyler Heineke had been the spark for them. He was there, and then he wasn't. Yeah, it's just a weird thing. Uh, both both uh, conferences have one playoff spot still open. The, the AFC... The, the spot that's open 100% is obviously the AFC South Championship. Whoever wins the Jacksonville-Tennessee game next week will be the winner. Also, the seventh seed is potentially still up for grabs. Uh, Miami, I think, is still in the driver's seat, although they did... Oh, no, no, they're out today. They're out because they lost today. So now I'm not sure who's in the driver's seat for the seventh seed on the AFC South side, on the AFC side. Um, I know the Patriots are still alive for it, though. Oh, that's who it is. The Patriots are the seventh seed, but they play Buffalo, and if they lose, they're out. So they have to win against Buffalo, but they do control their own destiny. If they win, they get to stay in the playoffs. That's a good feeling. I mean, you at least want to know what's in front of you, right? Like, you're not counting on something else to happen. Whereas on the NFC side, currently Seattle is the seventh seed. However, the eight seed is Detroit. The nine seed is Green Bay. Detroit comes to Green Bay to play. If Green Bay beats Detroit, no matter what Seattle does, Green Bay becomes the seventh seed. 
incredible. Not even not even the forgers of their own fate. Right, and that's sort of the. This is where the playoffs get weird, and this is what happens when too many teams lose. Like if Washington just won, they would still be in charge of their own destiny. But now because they lost, it reshuffles everybody, and now Seattle sits on top. And they, by the way, ended the Jets' season today. The Jets are now eliminated from the playoffs. Uh, but that was probably a good feeling for longtime Jet loser Geno Smith. Uh, but overall, it was it was this weekend has been a big deciding weekend. There's still one more game, obviously tomorrow or tonight. I mean, uh, but this weekend has been a deciding weekend for a lot of the the the, the positioning and a lot of the who's who can do what and, and where are they going to go type stuff. But there's still one week to go, and much to the credit of the NFL, there are still crucial fan favorite teams with real championship aspirations that could shake things up if they make it that might still make it but there's a lot that's going to happen next weekend it's really weird to think about that like we've come this this narrow i feel like it's always kind of crazy who we get to see enter the playoffs especially it's such a down year i feel like for the nfl right well like tampa clinched uh today uh they are sunday they won and so they now won their division. They beat Carolina, and, and and Carolina was 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 putting points on them. I think at one point Tampa Bay was down twenty some odd points, and Tom Brady led his Buccaneers, and they actually looked good for once. And they came back from behind and, and won a game. Uh, and now they are locked in for the division, so they are going to the playoffs. But yeah, it is weird that like this has been such a. There's a couple teams that are really great, and then everyone else is just slugging it out. Like Pittsburgh, they just beat Baltimore, so they're still in it. Uh, they need to see what's going to happen with everyone else, but they're one of the guys with a chance to go, depending on who wins and who loses. Such a weird time to be alive. <laughs> Such a weird season. <laughs> this season has been uncharacteristically, like, I don't remember this many... Like, think about this. At one point, the NFC East with Dallas, Philly, the Giants, the Commanders. Well, I mean, I was going to say they were they were on pace to, like, everyone was on pace to make the playoffs. Realistically, three of the teams did. The The Giants and the Cowboys are both in already. And the, and the well, the Eagles, the Eagles have, were, were clinched a couple weeks ago. The Cowboys clinched, I think, last week. And the Giants clinched today, or Sunday. So now, all of a sudden... You're looking at three out of the four teams when most years, three out of the four teams would be under 500 probably. Uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers, this is now kind of his MO, is he's rallying back with four weeks to go to make the playoffs. And he's done this a couple years in a row now. So it is kind of a weird... The Pittsburgh Steelers, I mean, like I said, their hopes are still alive. Even though a lot of teams have been losing, it's sort of... The losing's been spread out just enough to where, like, a lot of teams came into Week 17 with a shot still to make to make the playoffs. So I think that that's, that's probably a good thing for the NFL. The, it keeps it very watchable. Not a lot of fan bases are going through what we're going through this year, where they're just going, oh my god, when does it end? Um, most fan bases are getting to enjoy shots at the playoffs, with two weeks to go, with one week to go. And that definitely probably helps drive ratings, drive excitement, sell jerseys, all of that. So I, I, you do kind of have to tip your hat off to the NFL for how they have 
scheduled this. Oh, I yeah, think. definitely. I mean, aside from, like, whoever scheduled the, the Broncos' number of, um, like, primetime games, everything has been great in terms of scheduling. The Broncos and whoever scheduled the Thursday yeah, night football games. The, the absolute worst. Those, those guys need to be relocated. Those Thursday night games, I think the first, I think there was a run of, like, three or four of them where there were no touchdowns. Or it was something like seven quarters of football without a touchdown out of eight or something. I mean, it was bad. It was real, real isn't, bad. Isn't it the one Amazon um, paid for, too? And, yeah, yeah. Thursday night's <laughs> Amazon, yeah. Imagine being Amazon, being like, yeah, just, just uh, sending, like, just the biggest. Paid, maybe it was maybe it was intentional. They were like, we're just going to give them the garbage. <laughs> we're just going to give them the garbage stuff. Well, you could tell that definitely people had different opinions about the Colts and the Broncos and teams like that coming into the year. Because both of them were heavily scheduled early and had to kind of be flexed out of a lot of these spots. You know, they were kind of, they were, there were a lot of like primetime or afternoon games, Colts and Broncos, across across the early weeks of the schedule. And the team was so bad that you were kind of like, why are they doing this to everybody? <laughs> like, <laughs> isn't there something else on? And then, and then, basically, it was uh, the Cowboys who who ended the Colts' television run there about five weeks ago now, where they I think they scored fifty points on them, and Matt Ryan looked like a like a retiree just hanging on one game too long. It was rough. That was a bad. That was a bad week for them. I think that was Jeff Saturday's second game. Yeah, that's where he got slaughtered. But it's okay. We we still love you, Jeff Saturday. It's not your fault that your team's bad. Yeah, it's definitely... That's a weird situation, because I do like the idea of bringing him in and letting him try out. And also, it kind of didn't upset the balance, right? Because, okay, the offensive coordinator can stay the coordinator, the defensive coordinator can stay the defensive coordinator, and we'll bring in this other party to kind of keep the boat steady and to help motivate the players and to maybe shine a different perspective on things. However, they they were just in such a bad spot that it was never going to it wasn't going to change, I guess. Right. But it also I mean it also gives them like the clearance of being like it wasn't my fault. I didn't sink this boat. Everyone has to be like <laughs> it wasn't me. Yeah, like, <laughs> it wasn't me and everyone's like no, it wasn't. You're right. Yeah, it does give him the opportunity to get some head coaching experience without being responsible for the outcome. Although, he definitely would have taken credit, and probably rightfully so, if they had been successful. I would have. I know that for a fact. If they were like, they're like, man, this guy didn't coach a single day in his life, and then he went on to win six games, this guy's a legend. I would have been like, absolutely I am. Well, um... There was a. I used to love watching PTI way back in the day. Tony Kornheiser, and Michael Wilbon, they're two sports writers. They're from different kind of era of sports. Like Tony Kornheiser's kind of old sport, like old baseball and stuff like that. But he's he's a very honest sports writer. He's talked about like the decline of baseball and they just struggle to get things right. Michael Wilbon is sort of a more of a he 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 made his bones in the eighties with Jordan playing basketball and he was a Chicago sports writer. He kind of covers a lot more of the like the character and corruption of the different leagues and stuff. He's called the NCAA a sham for a better part of a decade. They are. Um, and, they, and, and he's not wrong. But I loved watching them. When Marv Levy 
got the when Marvin Lewis, Marvin Levy. I don't know when when Marvin Lewis got the head coaching job for the Cincinnati Bengals. And remember, before he got there, the Cincinnati Bengals didn't even provide protective wear for their players, cups, things like that. Like some guy was a second round pick, and you know he had a, you make a little bit of money when you're second, round. not a bunch, but you make some. And he comes in. And he's like, hey, man, we're like, where's the athletic gear and stuff? And they were like, yeah, you got to get your own. And he was so annoyed by that that he his sponsor, he asked his sponsor, Nike, to drop off, you know. And so Nike came through and fitted everybody with stuff. But, like, it was embarrassing because the, the team was so bad. Well, they, they famously said if, if Marvin Lewis can win seven or eight games with this Cincinnati Bengals team, he is the second coming of uh, of, like, of like any any of the great coaches, how you know, like any of them, they were like he's the second coming of, of head coaching in football. John Madden, too. and that first year, yeah, that first year he won like eight games, and they did. They 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 immediately acknowledged like, okay, this guy is this guy is somebody, and he stayed there for ten years and really turned that program around, made them into the really taught the owners how to be good owners. You got to spend money, you got to do stuff, you got to. They built facilities, they they paid workout bonuses. Used to be the Bengals were like, they didn't do any of that stuff. You know, oh, you come in in the offseason, you work out, you make 50 grand on your contract. The Bengals were just like, no, man, we pay you a salary and a signing bonus. That's it. Like, we don't even like doing the signing bonus. Um, And so he was really the one who kind of installed all that institutional stuff. And so it sometimes can happen where somebody can step in and and get full credit for just a weird situation. Uh, And even though they were only eight and eight, that was that was a huge acknowledgement because the Bengals were so awful. Um, so yeah, I think it, it, you know if you're Jeff Saturday, you take the gig and you hope for the best. I don't I don't blame him for that. Although I think what two wins maybe out of the six games he got to coach, I don't I don't I don't think the result was what they thought it would be. But I do think that was probably for the best for everybody. I think he got to learn something, but also they got to have a different set of eyes, evaluate everybody, and. Maybe they get to make some better decisions going forward, but it, it, as a Texans fan, it's great on a lot of levels because it also means that I'm uh, that the Colts are just bad, <laughs> and I'm okay with that. And we somehow we we got it means we got to win at least this last one, guys. I'm always okay with it when they're bad. Uh, I don't know. We really can't afford to, unfortunately. If we win it, we're gonna lose the number one to the Bears. Nah. And it's not that the Bears would take a quarterback. Our biggest fear is that the Bears would trade the pick. That's fair. I could totally see that happening. Because they don't, you know, if you believe if you believe uh, some people, uh, including uh, our co-host Colton, if you believe certain people, Justin Fields is a good quarterback. And so if they think that they've got their quarterback, they're certainly not going to draft C.J. Stroud with that one pick. And there are teams, and teams know that we will draft C.J. Stroud with that two-pick probably. So there are teams who, if they want a quarterback, they're going to pay the big price and get ahead of us. And the Bears would only look smart if they did that. Right, which, I mean, that sucks. Yeah. Yeah, the Bears would look really great if they got the one pick, trade out, and pick up, you know, four first-rounders over three years or something. And there are two or three teams. I think Detroit, um, and I think one other team, both have multiple first-rounders, and they're in 
like in the top 15, top 20 picks. So like Detroit has two two picks, both in the top 20. Uh, and so one of them like in the top five because it's the Rams pick. So they could give the Rams in their own pick to Chicago. So then Chicago has two first round picks plus whatever they get in the future, blah, blah, blah. And so like, yeah, they would look real smart because they would get two ones this year plus other stuff. Right. Yeah. Man, that's got to be a weird conversation to have back at the home. It's like, all right, guys, well, great performance. Uh, we're just going to not show up next week is what we're going to what's going to happen. Yeah, I don't know how you handle that. I don't know what you say internally there. That is a weird situation because no one, you know, so we've been going back and forth in the little behind the scenes, in the Discord server, the different writers and all that. Are they tanking? Are they losing on purpose? Are, are they just this? In a lot of it, I think they're just this bad. Middle of the season when they were just going out there and playing football, I think they were just this bad. I think today they played very conservatively. I think they felt a little low energy, and I think that that was all kind of okayed and maybe a little on purpose. Maybe a little. Um, but it, it's tough to say. I don't want to, you don't want to sit there and say like, what are these like? Yeah. And you could also, you could also rebuttal be like Jacksonville's been playing super hot for the past like five God, weeks or whatever. They are, they are playing really good football right now. If you're Tennessee, you either beat them and feel amazing about yourself or you go out there and you get run over like a pedestrian crossing a freeway at midnight. Like, I mean, it's, it's, there's no middle ground there. Like this is this is going to be really bad or you're about to be in a, like the best fight of your life. So tough to say. <laughs> I mean, I, listen, I'm sure Tennessee wants to, again, the winner goes to the playoffs. Neither team story is written. It doesn't, if Jacksonville loses to Tennessee, it doesn't matter how great they've played the last four weeks. It just doesn't. And if Tennessee awesome. wins and goes to the playoffs, they saved what was a crazy bad year for them when they should have been in command of this division the whole time. Anyway, so, you know, both narratives still can happen, you know? So they need to, they, this is not, both teams have the same thing in front of them. And so therefore, if you're going to get up and play football, you, that's for both of them, this is what they need to do. For us, it's a different situation. We're going to Indianapolis and we're almost getting on the plane with kind of the hope that we don't win. There was a game a couple years ago that was a similar situation. We went to San Francisco and both us and San Francisco were doing everything in their power to lose the game because, and they were calling it the Reggie Bush Bowl because whoever lost the game was getting the number one pick, but whoever won the game was going to be like pick seven or six in the draft because of the way all the ties and tiebreakers and everything was going on at the time. That's insane. So, like, we lose that game... We get the number one overall pick. We took Jadavion Clowney and or Mario Williams. We took Mario Williams. And people were kind of mad at us uh, that we didn't take Reggie Bush. Reggie Bush goes to New Orleans with the number two overall pick. Makes a commercial with Nike essentially thanking us for not picking him. Um, which Which hurt a little bit. Like, that's a little personal. He dated Kim Kardashian for about eight seconds. Uh, and then he never really kind of became the guy that everybody... He wound up having a good career. I'm not going to knock him 
and he had some weird stuff happen. They took his Heisman away because an agent paid him when he was in college. Like, there's just dumb, unfair stuff happened to him. But he was one of those things where people were talking about, like, he will be one of those legendary electric weapons, and he never really turned into that guy. Which is, the- uh, I feel like, just a, a weird story that we always kind of get. There's, like, crazy people with a crazy amount of potential. They never really pan out. Oh, Nico, you could go up and down the list of Heisman winners, and it's just as many bums and busts as it is, uh, you know, great NFL players. Like, there's almost... That's sort of the weird thing about the draft, is there's, even though college and, fo- and, and the NFL, for the most part, appear to be the same game, there's just something about the NFL really grinds it out of people. You either you either want to be there or you don't. And what happens is there's a lot of guys who enjoy the success and enjoy the opportunity and the money and all that, but when it all comes down to it, are they willing to kill themselves to get that last yard? No, they are not. And they get found out eventually. Eventually, they're no matter how bad their team is, they're eventually in a situation where it's like you, you die for the loose ball no matter what, and they don't. And people start questioning, and eventually they're out of the league. And there's a lot of, as they age and turn into honest, older men, they start saying things like, yeah, I didn't give my best effort. I didn't try my hardest. I wasn't, even Cliff Kingsbury uh, on the Hard Knocks season thing for, for the Cardinals that they're doing on HBO Max, talks about how he thought he worked hard, he thought he did a good job, but then when they drafted Tom Brady, he was getting outworked by this rookie six-round pick, and he realized that, like, Oh, there is a difference between guys who like need to be here and guys who want to be here. That's crazy. It's really yeah. crazy to see. <laughs> it is. Like, I mean, Nico, there's no sh- I mean, Vince Young, they people are saying, "Oh, if you took away the Reggie Bush or uh, Heisman, you give it to Vince Young because Vince Young was like second in the voting or whatever." I think Matt Liner was actually second in the voting, but Vince Young beat Reggie Bush and Matt Leinart in the Rose Bowl. So then people are like, oh, well, it's Vince Young's then. But, like, Vince Young, from starting quarterback to out of the league in six years. Like, a lot of the – it's just it's just the it, the league finds you out. And, and it is what it is after that. You don't, you don't get to reinvent yourself. once Because it, it – there's something about the way the NFL works. There's something about the way football works that just reveals your true character. And so these people get broken down, and you know exactly who they are. And you're like, okay, this guy, this guy does not love football. Okay, and there's nothing wrong with that. Take your money, go home, live your life. Um, and that does happen. There are players who retire after two or three years, and you don't hear about it because they're not particularly good. There was a kind of a thing in San Francisco, like seven or eight years ago. There was a linebacker who retired, uh, and he was their starter, but he was in like year four, year three, or year four. And he'd had his first injury that that season. And he just didn't enjoy the process of getting healthy and getting back. And that time away from football made him realize how crazy it is, what they do. And so he was like, oh, I'm okay. I'm just going to take my money and go home. Respect. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, there wasn't a thing he said that wasn't true. And this was at the start of the traumatic brain injury stuff. This was at the start of the the veteran suicides that were leading the things like junior say killed himself. I think the year before or something like it was just starting to kind of really happen 
where people were starting to talk about long-term health effects and player ramifications and player safety. There were no concussion protocols or anything like that. The blue tent didn't exist yet. Um, so, yeah, I th- he, he he probably played hurt while he, for as long as he could, and then when the pain became the injury and he couldn't play through it anymore and now he's actually away from it and watching it on the sidelines and just seeing what people are doing to themselves to play, he was like... How long can you do this before it's unsustainable? Like, no, I don't want to. I don't want to do this the rest of my life. I mean, that was the that's the that's the story behind um, old. Oh man, I never forget Colts quarterback. What's his name? Andrew Retired. Luck. Yep, Andrew Luck. I mean, he was he just he just had one too many rehabs and was just like I'm done. Yeah, and and I think that one I think is it is the same, but I also think it's slightly different because I think he. He rehabbed one or two times and was like, okay, that's fine. And then when it was, you know, staring down a third one at 28 years old and just, you do, you absolutely, it's some, every, and here's the other thing is everybody walks away at some point. You either walk away or they fire you, but it doesn't matter. Eventually you're gone either way. So at 28 and staring down your third rehab and you are at that point hundreds of millions of dollars in the bank, like, eh, meh. Why, why, why rehab again? What are the, what's going to be different when I come back next year to this team? Yep. Yeah. Also, I think it probably made it a little bit easier that the Colts were were just so bad. (laughs) They they just weren't great. He was the only reason that team was even kind of okay. Yeah, because you would get, and Nico, there would be so, there would be so many plays, man, where like, Oh, it's third and fifteen, and the Texans have got him, and they're and they're and Andrew Luck like escapes and breaks free and makes this incredible throw, and oh, it's a first down. Like he he bailed them out of so much. Him and Peyton Manning had bailed them out of so many things that it was just eventually it was inevitable, you know. Like then once those guys were gone, they it they still struggle to find direction. I think it's eight or nine quarterbacks since Peyton Manning left, or since Andrew Luck left. So yeah, I mean it is it's it it can be a thing. It can be tough. Um well we really took a journey on that one. So with all that being said, it's it is the final week of the season here. We are staring down a, a rematch with the Colts. The Colts started our season and they put us on this path really. I remember coming into that game saying that we could win it, and with six minutes to go, I looked brilliant. Then it goes to overtime and um they miss the field goal to win overtime. And then I think, okay, well now it's on us. Now we're going to win. And then we go down the field and then we turn the ball over and then they go down the field and they win. And that's it. That's all they wrote. And that kind of set the tone for this season. And, and we never really kind of got away from that. We never really got out of the orbit of just not being good enough. That's one of the great debates. We're going to have a lot of the writers on in the off season here this year. Uh, kind of talking about stuff as we get ready for the draft. And one of the kind of the great debates is, is that I make is like, we've been playing teams close, but we just, we didn't have enough out of the quarterback position to win these games. And we didn't have enough out of the wide receiver and other positions too, but we were at least close and competitive. You could really circle seven or eight of these games that if, that if we, if we just were a little bit better at quarterback, we would have won those games. Um, but that's kind of how the NFL goes, right? Like, I mean, the Raiders, I think they could circle. I think 
when they had lost four out of five, they had only been outscored by eight points or something like that. Like you could, they could go. I mean, these margins sometimes are razor thin, and so it's unfortunate think, that it happens. Right. I think someone was like, if the Broncos scored like eighteen points in every game, they would have won. Yeah, they would have been like they would have been like seven and two or something like that by week nine. Yeah, that was they were that was their they were coming up on a Thursday night game and basically the whole. Thursday night crew was like, well, they don't score points, so it doesn't matter. And someone was like, if if all they did was score uh, eighteen and uh, eighteen points a game, they'd be like seven and two. If if they only scored twenty one points, they'd be undefeated or something like. Like I mean, it was something stupid, where you were just like, how did it get that bad for them? But you know, their situation was pretty bad. They do eventually fire Nathaniel Hackett. Um, what do you think about that? Because remember, we had the great debate, and I was like, yeah, I definitely would have fired the head coach. After that first game, do you think there's any real difference between firing him after week one and firing him after week thirteen? Uh, I mean, it definitely feels like you at least gave him a shot, but I would have fired him after like week two, honestly. Yeah, it just felt. I mean, I know what you're saying. Like, you want to at least see if he can fix it, but like when they as don't, as, in as week soon two, as they started. Counting down the play clock oh my God. in the stands, I would have been like, well, we no longer have a head coach. Yeah, I think that would have been the time. I would have fired him at that point. When the fans were actively trying to help us avoid delay of game penalties, which are the, I mean, that's that's football 101. Yeah, get your team onto the thing. Yeah, hike the ball every 40 seconds or 25 seconds. It's not complicated. So, yeah, I do, I do think that that, I probably would, I'm in the same boat as you, I think. As soon as they were doing that, after the first game, I probably, I still probably would have fired him after game one. But definitely after game two, I would have fired him. When the fans started chanting it, I would have been like, "What are we doing here?" Like, no, the fans, mind. the fans started chanting, and he still got like two or three, right? Uh, no, not after the. I don't think so. Not after the fans started counting it down. They did take a timeout one time. Yeah, that so was well that was actually my, my the Texans point. Games. My point being, my point still stands. Yeah, no, it was it was a mess. It was embarrassing. So I do agree that like they gave him a chance to fix it, and he still couldn't. I just I don't know that I would have cared to have given him the chance. I guess. Yeah, you can in fact mess up so bad. Yeah, I think so too. I really do. Uh, all right. So all that being said, I, I, are you mad at Lovey Smith? Are you mad at the Texans for what they did this weekend? Uh, I'm not mad at them. I just am a little bit sad because we beat this team already. Uh, although if you look at our positions, because uh, if we we played them way back in the beginning of the league, this is our first win. Yeah, we uh, was against four. Jacksonville. Yeah. This was this yeah. was garbage tier Jacksonville. Now this is Jacksonville who actually has like their bearings. Because back then anyone could win. I feel like, and now we're in a totally different scenario. This okay. is this is this is you know. Uh, like rubber hit the road like this is teams at their either their best or absolute worst and we're not doing much better because our like we still haven't brought back Pierce we still haven't brought back like we still have injuries like our quarterback's not good like this is probably the worst we're gonna look and this is the best Jacksonville has ever looked so take that for what you will yeah I think that's fair and and I well you while the moral victory of, of playing them closer would have been cool, I don't know what it would have mattered or changed. So, 
I guess I'm, I guess, yeah, I guess I'm in Yeah, I guess I'm agree. I'm in agreement with you. Yeah, I don't, I don't. It's hard when the game was so bad. Like, I got frustrated watching the game. I was like, this is just terrible. But they were going to beat us probably, so does it matter closer? And, and we, and. We don't, but really, we do want to lose that game. So, did, I guess. Yeah, like I, I said this, I said this in one of the last shows I did with Colton, where I was like, if the players want to win for like their mental stability, I'm all for it. But I don't need them to win any more games for me. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, they're, if they're not going to beat the Cowboys, the Browns, or the Titans, then then it's cool. Like you can go home. Like yeah, we we already lost like ten other games this season, guys. We're, yeah. we're we're fine. Yeah, I guess I suppose so. All right. Uh, all that being said, let's go ahead and um. Oh, I guess I can. I guess we could do our sponsors, huh? I'm just gonna wrap up. Yeah, and, yeah. Don't do that. Um, let me remind you guys that it's never a good idea to drink and drive. But what if you had a few beers at the game and you know you're not drunk, but you get pulled over and arrested anyway? You need a law firm that knows how to try DWIs, someone who won't just plead you out quickly. You need a lawyer who has 100 hours of hands-on instruction in a lab learning the sciences used in DWI cases. A lawyer ACS qualified to be designated a lawyer scientist, because these cases aren't like other kinds of cases. Your positive outcomes may very well depend on who better understands and presents the science at trial. Attorney Brian Asin is a designated lawyer scientist, and the lawyers at Asin Law Firm have successfully tried and won many of these cases. Call Asin Law Firm at 832-209-2297. That's Asin Law Firm at 832-209-2297, or visit DWILawyerHouston.com. Also, it's time to trade in your masks for face masks, load up the hoppers, and go to war with your friends. Too hot, too rainy, too cold, Splat Zone has you covered, literally. It's Splat Zone Indoor Paintball. Round up the family and get to 11260 Hempstead to check out Splat Zone Indoor Paintball. 11260 Hempstead, Splat Zone Indoor Paintball. Splat Zone is a great, low-impact, family-friendly experience, and if you use their website to make reservations, you can get 5% off by using the code BATTLEREDSPLAT. Uh, also, you can go to the Adventure Begins Stadium right there at 525 Woodland Square Boulevard in Suite 130, Conroe, Texas, 77384. The Marcel Town Center right there in Conroe on 1488. The Adventure Begins is a great little family-friendly comic book uh, gaming nerd store that Nico and I go to all the time for all of our nerd needs. But more importantly, on the second floor, they have what's called the Adventure Begins Stadium. And it is a sports memorabilia, sports card store inside of Adventure Begins. So they've got signed jerseys, signed memorabilia, all kinds of great stuff. And also, sports cards are back, man. Like, they're just everywhere. And so the sports card market is hot. It is heating up. It is... People are opening packs and changing their lives. Mark Wahlberg's kids have an Instagram where they open them. There's all kinds of stuff. It is a giant industry again. So go to the battle... Go to the Adventure Begins Stadium... Go right up there. They got all kinds of different packs of cards you can check out. They got all kinds of great signed memorabilia. Uh, let them know that uh, you were sent by Battle Red Radio if you want. Tell them, hey man, you know, listen to these great guys who cover the Texans, and they said you guys have all the goods for sports memorabilia. All that being said, thank you everybody for listening today. I want to thank my producer Nico. Uh, make sure to subscribe to the blog if you haven't yet. Uh, go check out all the latest Texans headlines at Battle Red Blog. Dot com, And on Spotify, we are listening to Battle Red Radio. 
and all kinds of other great stuff. Thank you for listening. Thanks for hanging out. We've got one more week of season, and then we enter the offseason. We're going to do all kinds of great comprehensive draft coverage about um, we're anticipating having the number one pick. So a lot of that's going to be the topic of conversation. We're going to talk about the playoffs as they go on, things of that nature. Uh, so Nico can continue fawning over uh, his new best friend, Aaron Rodgers. And we can continue enjoying what has been a great NFL season together. Thanks for hanging out with us. We will talk to you guys later this week.